0: so I was gonna make Ken sing a song but then only because I was it sure. before
1: we started recording
0: yes and, but and it was in relation to today's episode guys I'm pretty sure we get copyrighted so <laughs> I was gonna say no
1: one wants to hear me sing so that's what I was gonna say eh, anyways today's first time diagnosis first time treating a patient first time everything
0: a little bit yeah
1: Let's just go ahead and jump right in. That's a first. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken.
0: And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right. So the first time. Ready? There's always a first time, right?
1: Uh, Are we still talking about therapy? (laughs) I just want to make sure before we continue. Otherwise, we're going to have to put some disclaimers in the beginning of the episode.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny as I literally set it up and I was like, Hmm, this could go so many ways, but yes, in regards to physical therapy, it's uh, always yeah. a first.
1: So, um, this came up because, so we run mainly on a skeleton crew, um, for our work. There's only three therapists. Mm-hmm. And the other day, one of our therapists weren't able to come in. So, we are, by we, I mean me, I had to treat some of his patients. The thing about that, though, is that he sees certain patients because of either the complexity or just because he's treated them before, and I really haven't, so I've never really had to do it. Until this day, where we were pinched between a new eval, which the other PT had to see, and then the follow-up for this patient I'm speaking of. And I kind of just, like, had to look at all my resources, but there wasn't much because the patient I was treating had Bell's palsy. If you're unfamiliar with Bell's palsy, we have an episode on Bell's palsy that we came out with a very long time ago. It is. On whether or not it's even effective for physical therapy and whatnot, but I've never treated anybody with Bell's palsy. Um, Research. And my notes and everything else. There's not really a lot on Bell's palsy. So I went into our EMR. I looked up um, Bell's palsy. The exercises that came up. So a lot of it is just like exercises. Some facilitation, tapping, quick stretching, massage around the facial. A in a row. True. But the outcomes, whether or not you do therapy, course. there's no difference. Supposedly. Supposedly. What did, what did it find? I'm just
0: I don't know, but Siri found, found something.
1: <laughs> but so that that kind of gave us the thought of this episode of kind of treating a diagnosis for the first time when you've never dealt with it on top uh-huh. of the PT that normally sees this patient wasn't there. So it wasn't be like, hey, how like what have you been doing, especially since I've never seen this patient, I've never treated this patient, I've never worked with this diagnosis. I couldn't ask him because he wasn't there. Yeah, so I had to wing it. Needless to say, I feel like the the visit went fairly well, I feel like. But it was funny because during the treatment, he was like, oh, yeah, you're very different than the other guy. And I was like, (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. I don't think I'm doing anything that he does because I have no idea what he does. So
0: you're like, uh, yeah, you know, each person has a different way of doing things. That's always my go-to answer if someone says that.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, you get a little bit of everybody. Like everyone has their own techniques and styles, so it's good to get a little variety in there. Is usually my <laughs> my route. Um, but do you have saying. any advice as far as someone shooting a diagnosis for the first time?
0: Well, I think you see it a lot, of course, when you first go into your clinical rotations. Like, almost every single diagnosed, like, patient you see. Is I was gonna actually going to so say that, too. I feel
1: like now. it's definitely more new grad related. Well, but the
0: thing is, is, like, I am I was thinking about this topic because I was like, oh, I might just resort back to new grad all the time. And, you know, thinking about that and, um, you know, clinical rotations, thinking about that. And I go, I look at it and I look at myself now. Versus back then when I would receive, like when I received something that was new diagnosis or something that was slightly out of the box than normal, like it would throw me for a whole loop and like, I'd almost like panic (laughs) because I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know that we've never really covered this specifically. Like, what am I going to do? And nowadays, like I get something new, I'm like, "Mm, all right, let me kind of Google it. And then I kind of like, I go a lot based off of either the exercises. If there's no exercises, I Google, I read a little bit about it. But overall, you can kind of find some of the same things. Again, there's some weird ones like Bell's Posley or, um, you know, TMJ, which, again, if you talk to Ken, we all have a TMJ. <laughs> but disorder. It, <laughs>
1: um,
0: but like those are a it's- little bit like you can't just go to your normal muscular, like major exercises um, that usually will cover a long list. um.
1: And but I, you, I don't you mentioned know Google. Um, so I did yeah. a little bit of Googling, um, YouTubing of Bell's palsy and just kind of seeing like what other people have done and what treatments, what do you feel like is a valid resource tool? Cause I feel like no, we have our training, we have our background, so we can see something and be like, okay, I don't really get why that works, so I'm not doing that. Or I can see why that works. Okay, I like that. I'm going to do that. But do you just, like, find whatever you find, or do you have, like, your go-tos? Do you go to, like, the APTA, let me find a research article on what they're doing?
0: Not do particularly. Go-to? For me, my go tos usually, like, a credible... Um, A source that tells you about the diagnosis, whether it's not like, for example, like the Mayo Clinic or, um, you know, John Hopkins, like things like that, that are credible sources, telling a little bit more about the actual diagnosis and what the disease is, because like some of it's not so much like you, they could come in and they could have weakness and you're working lower extremities or something like that. But like, I kind of look at those just to see if there's anything I need to be quickly aware of, of like, okay, this, you know, heat is really bad for them or, um, you know, cold's really bad. And this is where having a really good PT is very helpful too, because things like that will be in the eval and they should put things like that in the eval, um, for us. But you know, it's again, Looking it up, having a general idea is good too, just so if the patient starts to talk to you about it. But I think mainly what it comes down to, like, of what's a good, like, a routine to go with or what exercises or um, skilled sources that we give a manual or anything like that. Like, I think using your clinical judgment, looking at the different resources is really what is going to set you apart on whether or not you should do something or not. Um, you know, we have the basis. That's the big thing. Like, you think about school in general. You don't go through an exercise class of like, hey, this is what you should do for this exactly. This is what you should do for this. Um, this exercise is improved for this. No, you don't go over it. You talk about, like, what, why certain things help what we're looking for for certain things, the movements of the muscles, what you're working on. You get those bases. So like that way you can take this exercise and be like, yeah, it's normally treated for this, but Hey, I'm going to do it for this too. Um, for example, uh, just a random one out there. Like one of the ones I like to do is I like to do single leg balance with ball toss, not for just lower extremities. I like to do it for upper extremities too. um, I mean, I'll do it a lot lot for, like,
1: core and stuff, too.
0: Yeah, core. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, like, one of those, like, that's our clinical judgment of taking something, looking at it, and adjusting it to what works for them and what they need. So I think that's where, like, I don't really necessarily have a source or anything I go to. I just use my judgment on.
1: Um, One of the things you mentioned was your PT and, like, their notes and whatnot. And typically, that's always my go-to, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they did the eval, they know what the plan is, they know what they want, but I guess what found, what I found difficult in this scenario was that the PT that did the eval wasn't there, and the Mm -hmm. other PT has also never seen this patient. So, there's a lot of talks of, before this day happened, we're like, oh, hey, we have a Bell's palsy patient, like, Ken, do you want a little refresher on some, like, neuro stuff, like, do you want to practice on what we do, And, and I was like, yeah, I'm down, like, if I'm going to see this patient, I'd like to somewhat keep it consistent to what he's been doing and kind mm-hmm. of where he's at. Unfortunately, that did not happen before I saw the patient. Um, it happened definitely after. As soon as he came back, I was like, hey, can we go through what you do for um, Bell's palsy? Because off the bat, he was immediately like, oh, you're different than the other guy. You're not doing the same techniques, which there was nothing wrong with that. Like me and the patient hit it off pretty well. We um but I guess just like one thing is just consistency. A lot of patients do like consistency. So knowing what they've been doing up to that point can be beneficial. But sometimes, hey, throwing them, keeping them on their toes and doing something completely different. Some patients appreciate that as well, because you might try something or do something that the other therapist hasn't, and they might find that very beneficial. Yeah. Is there I anybody agree. like, do you, do you remember the last new diagnosis you had?
0: Well, so it's not technically like new. I've never really treated it, if this makes sense. Um, like it had been around, but concussions. We do a lot of vestibular, surprisingly. Um, I don't know. I was just never thought our clinic would, but um, our clinic does do a lot of vestibular. And, you know, you talk about concussions and we've had a concussion once before, I think in my previous, and so literally out of four years of working at the same place, we had one concussion patient come in and we weren't even doing anything technically for the concussion. He was lower body that we were working on, but like, we just had to be aware of the concussion stuff, like any symptoms rising or anything like that. But now we're doing a lot, like I'm doing a lot more for concussion stuff. And, um, it is new because it's just like, okay, well, what, what are some of the better ways to go about it? What are some of the sy- symptoms? Like, again, we can know a little bit about it. We read on it. We know some good things that work, but it's like, okay, well, when really should they be pushing it? When should they stop? When, how far should they go to? Like all that kind of stuff. And it's a refresher. And so like, I, there's definitely like I'm not the strongest person, but can I get through a treatment plan with it? Yeah. Um, do I really try to talk with my PT beforehand? She's really, really good at like if she's going to be gone and she looks at our patients coming in, if she sees someone that's a little off, we'll kind of go over it. Um, if I'm seeing a patient and she's around or, um, you know, in a meeting or something like that, we discuss about the patient beforehand. Um, and again, I don't take it, I think the thing too is like, if you're not well versed in it, I don't take it personally that these patients like stick with her or that she keeps the patients or she doesn't feel like, you know, I can hold up to it because she is stronger at that than me. Um, but I'm definitely trying to learn. And there's definitely like, as I learn, I'm getting to work with these patients more often too. So I'm trying to soak everything in at the same time, if that makes sense.
1: Um, I think that's, I think it's just a big note in general, just not. um, How do I, how do I want to put this? So I guess like I also came across this because another, the other PT was out again this week. So again, like I had to pick up that PT schedule and it's like, I try not to get discouraged or like you said, like take it personal that they want to work with that PT if they don't want to come in and stuff like that especially mm-hmm. if they've been working with that PT for so long. So we had one patient that's had the same PT for about 20 visits in a row and only comes in when that PT's there. And it was, I think it was yesterday. Um, the PT wasn't there. So I had to see this patient and we try to give them as many heads up as we could like, Hey, the PT's not here today. Are you okay seeing so-and-so? And then they came in and they're like, Hey, so just to make sure like this PT, PT's not here, like you're okay. And then, like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Granted, I would say it probably wasn't my, just kind of like in hindsight thinking about it, probably wasn't like my best treatment. I tried to do what I could, but it's just so hard when, like, they live
0: up to standards.
1: Kind of like they yeah. have a rhythm, they have um, like a groove of what they're working on, their pressure, their exercises, like all of this is dialed in with that PT. And stepping in, it's a lot harder than it seems. Um, It Mm -hmm. can be easy. Like the patient can be super easygoing and not really have, you know, don't really care that whoever they see. But sometimes it can be difficult seeing patients who are particular or just so used to their routine that when you come in, it's like, I know this isn't going to be the same, but let's try this today. And if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, then now, you know. But yeah. to your to your point, just try not to think, take things personal, um, especially if you're not really confident in certain skills, like you said. Practice, talk to the PT, set aside set aside time to work on those skills, or maybe shadow in on those patients. Be like, hey, um, like I could have done that with my PT um, when he was treating the Bell's palsy patient. Like, hey, do you mind if I sit in just in case if I do have to see that patient? I know what you're doing, I know where they're at, and I can step in if need be.
0: Exactly. And I like kind of going just a little bit on like those patients who are kind of a little bit more one-on-one and do like to go on because they're usually a little bit more complex patients that get kept with the PTs. Don't take it personally in the long run. Like at first I kind of felt like I was like, oh my gosh, am I bad? Am I not good enough to like treat if she's taking this away? But like I have a PT who's very involved with of our patients which I think is awesome and sometimes I think where I used to work lacked that at times um, because of just the amount of volume it was impossible to do and ultimately you look at it they are the ones signing off they're the ones who putting their names really attached to it as their treatment plan as their provider their main main care person as much as like we are they're the ones who sign off on everything um, so I don't take it personally if they want to make sure that certain aspect gets done or, um, there's something that they really want to focus on. Like I had, we have an ACL, um, well, we have quite a few ACLs right now, but there's one day she's like, I'm going to keep her with me cause I really want to focus on this. Like, and I want to see how she's doing. She goes, not that you don't, I don't think you could do it. She goes, but I really want to see how she responded after last treatment because we did a lot of jumping and she's having some stuff and she had pain. And I was like, okay, like she's really good at communicating with me also why she wants to keep a certain patient. Um, and you know, I don't take offense to it. And I think that's sometimes it, it can be feel that way, but like really don't like, luckily I've again, a great PT who communicates that with me, but you never know. They, they, they're probably honestly just seeing them because there's something in, in their mind that they want to set to. And again, we're each individuals, and we tell our patients this all the time, you sometimes getting treated by multiple people is nice because you get different point of views. She might focus so much on, like, quad strengthening, and I might find focus more on, you know, um, balance. and Which is good because, you know, those are definitely things that need to be worked on, and so you get a variety but don't take offense if there's one day that they want to do it and work on it. Um, and the same thing with the new like usually things that you don't see often, if we're not seeing them often, honestly a lot of our PTs aren't usually seeing them often. Because that means something's not coming through your clinic enough to be often like to be normally That's seen. Point. And so usually those PTs are honestly might be sometimes a little rusty on it too, because it's not something that they're constantly doing, just like we're not constantly doing certain injuries. And we're like, ooh, let me go back and refresh on that. So they sometimes like to keep that a little closer just because of the fact that they want to keep a closer eye on those injuries because of the fact that they're a little, you know, just like we are sometimes about our treatments, like a little unsure if we're if it's working correctly, they can be the same way too. And so just remember that, like that's sometimes why they hold it. It has nothing even sometimes to do with our skills or anything like that. It could be purely because of the fact that, you know, they want to track it just because of the fact that they're unfamiliar with it too.
1: Yeah. And this happened a couple of times, not, I wouldn't say recently for me anyways, but a while ago when I was like a technician, I would like there's certain diagnosis, like even the PTs were stumped. They're like, mm-hmm. I have never even heard of this. They would have to do their research before they go into the patient. They would see the patient, see how they present, and they'd go right back to research. So yeah. they keep those patients with them. And it's like you said, it's mainly because they want to keep a closer eye on it. They want to monitor it. Day to day might be a little bit different. So they have to do reassessments every single time and see what they're up for. Um, so those are other reasons. Maybe the. PT might keep certain patients under them
0: yeah it it, it has nothing to do with you and um, we all do that we all hand people off we all want to like there's times where there's I I have a couple shoulder patients that I've worked very closely it just kind of worked out that I was kind of consistently seeing them and so I do like when when uh, you know they're not on my schedule I'm like oh wait. Or, like, they get evalued. I'm like, okay, how are we doing? Because I'm so good. Like, I'm, you know, re-evalued. I'm like, okay, that really, I really worked closely with that patient. <laughs> like, I want to make sure I'm doing everything, you know, the best for the patient and everything's working out. And so, I think we try to keep that in mind with going back to just new diagnoses. Like, we do. We try to do our best. Keep it in mind. When in doubt, like, the thing, too, is don't be afraid to be like, Hey, I haven't treated this a lot, or I haven't treated this at all. You know, what do you recommend? Um, what are some areas to focus on any major things? Again, this is if the PT is around, these are easy questions, any major things I should work, look out for. If not, thoroughly read, read your, the eval. And if you still have questions and the PT is not on site, you're supposed to be able to get in contact with them. When in doubt, if you have any questions, ask them. Um, because it's better that you be safe than sorry with anything that you're unsure of. So that's my yeah. big, big take I'm from
1: agreeing. that. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of all we have for... I was about to say, yeah. do
0: you have any like diagnosis that you haven't come across but you'd like to work with
1: uh.
0: or you had that and then you're like you did it the first time and you're like oh my gosh that was the scary thing almost because i've not i like for example for me um the scariest thing was during my clinical rotation was actually working with the amputee for the first time um because there's just so much going on in a way and so like it was definitely super nerve-wracking. I think that's the most nerve-wracking with a diagnosis I've kind of ever gotten. Um, just because they don't... They, they don't really present as consistently as some other diagnosis.
1: But uh, I can't think of, like, a certain diagnosis I was, like, really trying to work with. Um... I'll say maybe like the craziest thing to me was probably still going to be like anything wound care related that I've done. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you've done amputees. Like I've done big toe amputations. I've done a- above the knee, below the knee amputations as well. Um, but wound care, it's like one of those things that you you can learn it in school. You have like those dummies that you can practice on. I'm not sure if I everything will.
0: Have I was
1: about to say, yes. I don't know if every school has a little <laughs> practice um like stage of ulcer like all the pressure ulcers and all that but doing it in person is so like so much different, like so much not even close to just like those practice ones that we did so that was
0: your first one that was your uh kind of when you came across it for the first time that's what like threw you for a loop
1: yeah like one like that I mean people can look up pictures at their own discretion Mm -hmm. Um, but <laughs> necrotizing fasciitis, that was brutal. It was in someone's pelvic region and it was, it definitely, um, stuck with me for quite some time after that. Um, it's still
0: sticking with them.
1: <laughs> there's a couple like just necrotic tissue that I've seen stage four pressure ulcers. There's been, um, Oh, what's it called? I'm forgetting it, but like the. Their toes were like mummified. Mm -hmm. There's like no more circulation going there. And it was just completely black. Like you can touch it and it's probably about to fall off.
0: I have a patient like that right now. They're actually. They're doing an MRI. Side note. But they're doing an MRI on his big toe. To see if there is enough. Actual tissue underneath. Because I keep to bring. Keep to bring. And it's just not getting any better. So, they're looking to see if there's enough healthy tissue to go in and surgically debris, or if they need to surgically remove the big toe at this point.
1: Yeah, I would just say wound care is definitely a specialty that, if you're curious, definitely go shadow it if you can in a hospital. But I would say those are any of those diagnoses would be the ones that threw me for a loop.
0: You know, one of the things that I thought would throw me for a loop, but not actually didn't the first time I did it, I thought I was going to be like super nervous when I got told to do it. But then like, honestly, when it came down to it, it was totally easy. (laughs) Was uh, the first time I was actually told to remove staples.
1: Oh, with a staple remover?
0: Yeah, with a staple remover. Like just in general, because we had a patient who we had a doctor who never removed his staples. He would have it done on PT unless there were some complications involved. Um, We had a patient coming in. Her staples need to be removed that day. PT was not going to be there. Um, Or I forget where he was. He was somewhere. I forget exactly. But PT just was not able to do it. I think he was there. But he was in a massive meeting. And so he was like, all right, this is what you're going to do. And, like, I went in with him. I think we had... One prior to that, or I don't know if we just covered it, but I thought for sure, like I was like, okay, I was gonna be super like nervous. And honestly, I went in and I was like, do do and it was. I was like, that was fun.
1: <laughs> like anybody, you're like holding the staple remover, anybody yeah I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, You go grab the guys? like a stapler. Like, do you want me to staple you, and then I'll remove it myself? I got you yeah
0: and that's the thing sometimes like your first times for certain things might not even be a disease it might literally be removing staples for the first time or you know changing a bandage for the first time those those things can get a little nerve-wracking when you're not used to it
1: i would also say yeah. braces too oh like my god. the immobilizers they have like all the different kind of braces they have just because they're so different
0: they're so oh, different. you're like
1: looking at it and you're like does this go this wait this way this this way okay, okay this strap this okay wait what like you got this half right the okay, the patients you
0: know, go. yeah exactly i'm like i just let the patients because they know their braces better but literally half of sometimes the acl braces i can't even figure out how to unlock them because they're all like slightly different I'm pressing this one and this one where yeah. you need a key here we're coming and i'm like, out with oh, new ones gosh.
1: as well <laughs> and we're like in school i think we had like like 20 different orthotics there braces, AFOs, leaf spring like all, all of them. And it's just like I don't know when these were made, but I'm sh- when you go out to the field like they look nothing like that because Right. They're advancing or if different. you need a specific kind of custom made one, then all of a sudden it's different and each than the other.
0: Doctors different on which ones they like. Um yeah, it's just it's different. You want a funny story about braces though.
1: <laughs> Are we talking about like <laughs> braces or
0: oh, no I no mean,
1: like, so, you could really go anyway
0: <laughs> so i was at last week yeah last week um i went and saw a doc my doc for a follow-up and um pretty much it comes down to i still need to wear a boot especially for work because my pain gets too high and i swell too much still um so, I'm still using a boot for work. Well, I'm going to put my boot back on. And mind you, this is my third cam boot at this point. And it was older from my second surgery. It was from after my second surgery. But I kept, like, I've always kept it. And then um, when I had this one, he was like, oh, you're going to only be in a boot for, like, about two to three weeks. And I was like, okay. He goes, do you need a new one? I was like, no, this one should last, like, two to three weeks. So that will be fine. And so, he's like, okay, just bring it in so I can make sure, like, it's good. And if so, then we won't worry about getting a new one. So, everything was fine. We used it. But because it was already older and it was kind of already worn down, wearing it for longer than that time frame, it really is worn down. Like, it will not stick anymore. Like, the padding does not really stick. I lost, like, the middle thing, uh, middle padding. And... So, uh, I was putting on my boot back on my boot in the doctor's office and I started putting it on, I put my padding on and then I go to do just the strap over my toes. And he goes, that's not the way you do the boot. And I was like, hold on. And my, by the way, my husband starts to die laughing in the background that I'm getting corrected. And I was like, wait, 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 before you come at me about put, strapping in this boot, I was like, I have to do it this way. And he goes, you know to put the the strap right below the the joint first and then the above. Yeah. And then you go back to the, and I was like, I know, I go, but my boot won't stick it in order for it to get it to stay down. I got to do the toe one first, then restrap this one. And then I have to go back in and retie, like do them. And he goes, do you want a new boot? And I was like, well, if you're telling me I got a couple more weeks, yeah, just give me a new boot. (laughs)
1: Like fine. I'll cave. Get me a new boot
0: yeah oh man and I'll tell you being in a new boot sucks because I can definitely tell how unrestricted mine was uh, breaking down wise because this new one is like definitely doing its job but it was pretty funny that the doctor yelled at me for not putting strapping him incorrectly but it was all because of the fact that I had to strap it in a different way well he he just chuckled when he actually saw it because like literally you go to put the padding together like the little rock pad wraparound um and that little pad won't velcro onto itself anymore because it's so ripped up and torn up. Um yeah you need a new boot. S- I did get a new even boot just so for, I like, have a new boot.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm like, just even for safety reasons. You need a new boot. Yeah. It's good know. thing you got a new boot.
0: Yeah. But it was pretty funny. It was it was a good laugh but yeah. Y'all I got yelled at for putting a boot on. <laughs>
1: all right well with that we'll wrap it up this episode mm-hmm. um thanks so much for listening hope everyone had a good holiday Yes. Um, we I'm are looking into over 100 degree weather here in vegas in the coming weeks so yeah we're gonna stay inside
0: as my nephew has been telling me all week it's hot outside
1: yeah it's getting but <laughs> Uh, that was a completely mm-hmm. side note. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, mm-hmm. Follow us on Facebook. I don't know, Facebook geez, follow us on Instagram. Join the Discord. Look at the YouTube. We'll leave links down below. And until then, we'll see you guys next time.
0: Alright, bye guys.
1: The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.